This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Good afternoon. Great to have you along here. Libby returns on Wednesday. The provincial deficit is on the rise, according to Ontario's Financial Accountability Officer, Peter Weltman. If you caught Bob Comsick's news just now, then you heard that the Ford PC's decisions, such as cancelling the cap-and-trade program and reversing several tax increases combined with a weaker economic forecast, contributed to the change. And without further policy changes, the deficit is expected to exceed $16 billion by 2022-23. Right now, $12.3 billion, according to the FAO. Weltman also explained in delivering his report that in order to balance the budget in four years' time, spending would have to be limited to 1.2% annual increases, and he said that would require significant changes to policy that could have wide-ranging impacts on Ontario households and businesses. Joining us to discuss are Ontario NDP finance critic John Vantoff and political Political strategist Jamie Ellerton. Hello to both of you. Hi, Jen. Good afternoon. Jamie, this report is halting for a couple of reasons. One, for the projected $16 billion deficit, and two, for what the Ford government will need to do in order to balance the budget in four years' time. Yeah, the Premier is kind of uh, being pulled in both directions right now. He made a very clear commitment during the election campaign and was elected on a mandate to bring responsibility back to managing Ontario's finances after 15 years of wild spending from the Liberals. And uh, that means he's going to have to make some tough choices. And with that, with seeing these numbers today, we do expect the Ontario economy to slow down, uh, which means there'll be less revenue coming in. So that if they are not going to raise taxes, which they have promised not to do, it means they're going to have to really hold the line on spending and start to find those efficiencies that Premier's often talked about. But, but to be fair, it would appear from what the FAO report says, he's not doing this so far. Yeah, I think if you look at what uh, was came out over the summer as uh, the kind of true state of Ontario's books after the Ford government took place and got a chance to look at them, they're looking at about a $15 billion deficit. And the fall fiscal update, Minister Fideli announced that that deficit's now $500 million lower. And uh, there's the independence of the Federal Accountability Officer, uh, sorry, Financial Accountability Office, to see these things is a uh, part of actually informing our debate on this democracy. So I think if you look at what Minister Fideli has to do, uh-huh. I think the his first budget will be when the Ford government really starts to show its hands on uh, how they're going to manage the finances and where they're going to find those savings. 
Uh, at, uh, I know just last week, I believe it was, Minister Fidelli started the financial uh, budget 2019 consultations. And uh, we a lot of people across the province like to take part of that, Heather said. It's hard to know, and I'll ask John the same question, but Jamie, if you can weigh in on this, there have been a number of different opinions on the state of the government's deficit. So the Liberals projected a deficit of $6.7 billion in their spring budget. The Auditor General said the number was, in fact, $11.7 billion. The Tories then said they've generally accepted the AG's accounting, but then a commission of inquiry came out and said the province's deficit will grow to $15 billion this year. Then the Ford PC said in their economic statement they brought that number down to $14.5 billion. And now you have the FAO saying the number is going to be $12.3 billion by the end of the year. So what, how, how do we as Ontario taxpayers understand what the deficit actually is? Yeah, so I think in very kind of basic terms, there's obviously a lot of uh, financial math and, and modeling that goes in to doing these sorts of things and doing these sorts of projections. So there is a normally going to be a bit of a range that exists amongst economists and those that look at these sorts of things. But I think the clear message, if you look at all of them taking out the outlier number of the uh, Liberals' own claim of what they were running, uh, and look at all the other numbers you just cited, those are all within a few billion dollars, and there's kind of a really clear range there from 12 to 16 billion that that's the hole we face and what Ontario needs to dig itself out of. So that means where are we going to stop the spending growth? Uh, Ontario brings in a lot of money. It means where do we actually start to put a halt on new spending? So as the economy grows, that deficit starts to erode over time. Let's go over now to uh, John Van Hoff. He is the Ontario NDP finance critic. John, what do you make of the report's findings? Well, I think uh, we all knew that the the deficit was higher than what the Liberals said. Um, It's not that the money was hidden. Uh, The government put it in uh, different columns than where it should have been. So the deficit is around $14, $15 billion. The, The issue is during the election campaign, uh, and which the Conservatives won a strong mandate, they seem to give the idea that uh, who couldn't find four cents in the dollar mm-hmm. to bring the deficit back into, uh, and, you know, to rein the deficit in. And I think now we're going to see that, uh, you know, if the Ford government is going to achieve that, it's going to take a lot more than uh, who couldn't find four cents on the dollar. Right. And and not and we haven't seen any evidence of this four cents on the dollar, truly, I mean, based on what the FAO is saying, uh, since they took over June 29th. No. And they and actually, by cutting taxes and uh, killing cap and trade for in some ways, they're they're hurting their own income stream. So uh, the way you run a government isn't that much different than the way you run a household. If you're running a deficit, you either need to spend less or raise more. So they're they're saying they're going to spend less and they're they're cutting their income at the same time. So it's going to be interesting to see. This is a good time to put the question out to you, the Zoomer radio listener. How do you think the Ford government is running the province so far? Uh, they took over June 29th. Here we are on December 10th. So far, so good. Does it make sense to you that there has only been a slight dip in the deficit? Is the deficit all that important to you if there are priority areas uh, that need to be taken care of uh, in our Ontario society? We'd like to hear your 
opinions, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. John, how important is the deficit as we um, get into tougher economic times? Well, if, if you, you, the deficit is important, when you're in good times, you should try not to run a deficit. Because when things are going good is when you should pay back your your debt. And when you have an economic downturn, sometimes you should have to turn to deficit spending to uh, help uh, people get through that downturn. The problem we're facing now is we are we have a large deficit. We had a large deficit during the good times. We had pretty good times through the liberals. We had no record low unemployment. A lot of things, some things are going wrong, but some things weren't going too badly, yet the deficit kept going up. Everyone now is talking about higher interest rates, a possible economic downturn, and that's when you might need deficit spending, but we've already got it. So we could be running into a very big problem provincially. How do you see, how does the opposition see uh, the best course moving forward? What, what would you suggest? I mean, they're not going to take you up on your suggestions, but, but how would you move forward as, as the NDP? Well, the one thing that we, that we have warned the Liberals about and we're continue to hope the Conservatives don't do, is uh, governments have, have a tendency to, when they need money, like to, to rein in a deficit, they sell uh, assets that are actually income-producing. The Liberals did this when they sold 60% of Hydro One. Mm-hmm. The Conservatives years ago did it when they sold the 407. There are still things that the government, assets the government has, that actually bring uh, dividends to the government, actual you know, <laughs> monetary dividends, but because they're worth money, governments tend to sell those. And that's actually like selling your house because it's cheaper to rent. It's cheaper to rent in the short term, but in the long term, you pay for your house over and over. So the one thing that we are uh, cautioning the government is do not sell assets that actually bring the government money, bring them dividends. Can you give us, you're talking about the LCBO. Talking about the LCBO, talking about the rest of Hydro One talking about Ontario Power Generation and others. Okay, let's go to Simon in Toronto. Hi, Simon. You're first up here on Fight Back. Go ahead. Thank you so much for taking my call. You know, um, we have um, a rookie premier. Uh, We have a rookie government at Queen's Park right now. And there's so many flaws uh, in the short period that they've been governing. Um, You know, going after the Trudeau uh, government, uh, uh, the dismantling of um, the hydro, that's going to be costing Ontarians so much money. And I don't even know why this premier has gone down that route. At the end of the day, um, we're in big financial problems here in this province. Um, We are still a rich province, but we've got tremendous problems here. And I would hate to see education, health care being cut because it's too easy to cut those services, to cut nurses and, and so on and so forth. But, you know, this government um, needs to claw back and and start taxing. We, we need to increase their revenue. As much as I hate to do that, they need to increase their tax. And instead of him doing that, he actually cut proposed taxes, which makes absolutely no sense. And this is why this is a rookie government. Even this uh, LCBO, get rid of it. Why do we need these fancy, beautiful LCBO stores across the province? Get the booze 
inside the corner stores. We're there already. Why do we need these LCBOs? It's costing us so much money to run these places. Okay, Simon. Well, you've thrown out a number of uh, ideas and proposals, and we thank you for that. Let's go to Jamie Ellerton. Where could there be some cost-cutting? You know, our caller does make a good point about the LCBOs being that perhaps they could bring in more profit. Yeah, I think if you look at kind of what the way the LCBO is set up and we look at how other provinces retail alcohol, there are some studies that actually suggest that the government could actually sell the LCBO for what it is, open up a kind of licensing market so that any private retailer who meets licensing requirements could uh, pay the fee to get their license and sell alcohol and allow specialty stores at a variety of ranges. So, yeah, sometimes you can get some cheaper food. Uh, without all the glitz and glamour at smaller corner stores. And for those that really want to stay open, say, niche gin shops or niche, niche whiskey and, and, and uh, scotch shops could invest on that kind of customer experience, and the government can kind of stabilize its revenue and then get out of the business of selling alcohol all entirely. That is, is one area, but I think that's uh, because of how big that is. Premier Harris did that in the 90s. Uh, I think that's something we're not going to see in the immediate future. Uh, and same with beer and wine. The Premier has promised to do that on for corner stores as well. Mm-hmm. But we know with the beer store's contract that they have uh, right in the contract with the beer store, that that won't be allowed until sometimes into the 2020s. So that's not an option. I think if you look at more recent announcements of what this government made, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, they gave $30 million almost, I think it was a little over, to Maple Leaf Foods, one yes. of the most profitable companies in the, in the country, uh, to literally slice and dice chicken, because apparently that's innovation. Uh, we're not going to get our chicken from elsewhere. The industry's already supply managed. So if you're looking to start to save money, stop doling out corporate welfare to some of Canada's already wealthiest and actually focus on the lower tax rates, it's going to allow the economy to pick up rates. And maybe we do hold the line on tax rates until the deficit is under control. Uh, There was a a point during the, well, several points during the spring election campaign when then PC leader Doug Ford said that not one single person in government would lose their job. Based on the way things are going, let's go over to John Van Hoff, uh, the NDP finance critic. Is that going to be possible on the path that Ford and Fideli and crew are on at the moment? No, it's it's not possible, Campbell, and it's, it's actually not in the case. Like, you can look uh, in my local area at the uh, Health Sciences North in Sudbury, there are nurses losing their jobs as we speak. The one thing the government didn't say is, okay, so no one's going to lose their job, but they're also not replacing people who retire. So as we speak, services are going down because uh, civil servants aren't being replaced. So it's not... And considering that uh, the, the percentage off the top of my head, I don't know, but considering how high the percentage of uh, the cost of uh, wages is to the government, it's not credible that no one in, in a cost-cutting government is going to be up. Okay, back to the phones. Let's go to Colin in Toronto. Hi, Colin. What Hi, would you like to add? Yeah. Um, we have to examine uh, actually what the annual deficit is. It's basically the interest on the Ontario debt. Is that not right? Let's go to the finance critic about that. Uh, The deficit is a a structural deficit. A lot of it is uh, interest, but not all. Uh, What what percentage would be the interest on the debt? Yeah, off the top of my head, I believe the interest is, uh, uh, I wish it was in my office, I could look it up. Uh, uh, off the top of my head, the interest that the province currently pays on its existing debt is about $12 billion annually, okay. and that is the yeah, so largest line yeah. item so on very, the provincial so budget. 
Yeah, sorry. Uh, so the annual interest on the debt is $12 billion, right? Is that what you were saying? Is that what you yeah. said, Jamie? Yes, it's, okay. 12, okay. it's a little over $12 billion. Okay, now let's examine that. Okay, in order to get that $12 billion annual deficit, even down to $4 billion, we would have to knock off $200,000 million off that debt, or $200 billion, in theory. Yep. No government can do that. The debt and the deficit is runaway. It's at the point of no return from terrible management. It's, it's at the point of no return. No government can do this. That's, they would have to knock off $200,000 million to get the annual deficit even down to $4 billion. Okay, Colin, I want to get both of it's our impossible. guests to weigh in on that. It can't be done. Okay, it can't be done, Jamie? That's uh, what our caller says? Oh, I think it can be done because it requires tough choices and real leadership. I would actually disagree with John on one point. The Premier said that they're not going to have massive cuts and be firing people. But I think, especially as baby boomers retire, there's a lot of places where the civil service can get out of their kind of top-down style management and massive bureaucracy and look at how you can bring a more efficient public service with fewer people to be had. And like, so as those people do retire, the attrition rate can actually go a long way to kind of lowering the overall labor cost for government of uh, having employees who work for it. And that doesn't need to impact frontline services. We often hear kind of fear-mongering on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's going to take some real leadership at the top to not only make the decision that you're not going to replace people, but to actually invest the time and the upfront money to actually restructure the public service so that it does operate more efficiently. Where can you centralize services across departments instead of things being siloed and ultimately get real value for money? Uh, if you look at how government operates, it still feels like you're walking into like a 1980s Best Western Business Center uh, with tons of people clicking away on keyboards. I think there's a lot of ways we can look at how to do that, but it's, it's not going to happen overnight. It will require leadership. Okay, and uh, the final word here from John Van Hoff uh, before we change segments. Go ahead, John. Sure. I, I don't think the problem is insurmountable. It is a huge problem. you got to remember that debt and deficit, specifically debt, it's like a mortgage in a house. As long as the debt is paying for something that is going to move this province forward, it's not an insurmountable problem. Uh, regarding uh, front uh, uh, the civil service, we always have to look for efficiencies but coming from parts of Ontario where we don't have a lot of uh, a lot of uh, public services, every time we hear rationalization and centralization, it means uh, less service for people on the front line. Okay, I thank you both for your time. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.